Greetings! Welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. And I'm Foley. And we're here at Foley's place. What's up? Don't mind while you sit down. Make a big noise. Yeah, we're recording at Foley's today because my domicile is under construction at the moment. You have no flooring and nowhere to uh, put a computer. It's a right old mess. But that's okay. Nothing's gonna stop us. No way. What'd we watch? It was one uh, one zero zero one one zero one. It was. It's the Binar episode. You might have guessed. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty sweet episode. There's some really uncomfortable moments with Riker. Riker gets his full-on perv going in this episode, and it's really kind of icky. It's a deep exploration into... Uh, um, uh, a man's ability to fall in love with a hot computer sprite, you know. A story we can all identify with. Absolutely. So the Enterprise returns from a series of missions to Starbase 73. Or maybe it was 72. No, it's 73. Yes. No, wait. It might be 74. Fuck! <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> a starbase they go in to, the 70s. They go to starbase in the 70s. A man in his 70s greets them, accompanied by a pair of small... Kind of lavender-colored? An odd pair of um, aliens known as binars. Uh, they're so integrated with computers that their language and thought process has become as close to binary as is possible for an organic life form. According to Picard, P- yes. Who probably made that up, but... And then, of course, the guy who's in charge of the Binars, Commander Mildly Spanish-sounding name, who looks just like Picard except with a goatee. So I'm assuming it's Mirror Universe Picard. I think it might be. Maybe he's one of the guys that tried out for the role of Picard and was rejected. Oh. You know how they do that sometimes? They bring they back do, the actors, although the reject from, actors? I don't think so because Gene Roddenberry didn't want Patrick Stewart as Picard. They probably auditioned other dudes. Yeah, but they didn't want, like, a bald guy, right? Oh. That wasn't the type they were casting for was just one of the producers really liked Patrick Stewart and was pushing for him. That guy's and, smart. Yeah, and Gene Roddenberry's like, fuck no! He basically had to be tricked into it. Do you know who they had in mind? Or I have or, no idea. Or what type of person Roddenberry had in mind? What was his image for Picard? Oh, uh, if if we're... Yeah. Honestly, I would, I would expect he was just thinking of another Kurt. I mean... <laughs> You think I, he'd have learned his lesson? No, I, I like Roddenberry. You know, don't get me wrong, and I'm you know, mm-hmm. Star Trek's good stuff. Yeah, but Gene Roddenberry isn't a endless fountain of ideas. Well, like, you know, he just he recycles his ideas a lot. So, like you'll notice in other shows that bear Gene Roddenberry's name, they're all pretty similar. Oh, so he almost got Kevin Sorbo to play Picard. Oh yes, that would have been great. Oh man, that would have been hot stuff. Ah uh, well, you know, I guess this is why like generally things that are collaborative end up being better anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One person doesn't get their way on everything. Yeah. Uh, George Lucas, are you listening? <laughs> he's not listening. No, he's not. He would never listen to us. Bastard. He should. Although he has no power anymore, so I guess it doesn't matter. We'll see. We'll see. J.J. Abrams, are you listening? You might be. He earned a track. Uh, where were we? Oh, um, yeah, the binars. The, yeah, the beginning of... We were at the very beginning of the episode. Oh, okay. So, um, everyone is uh, going to take some shore leave on the Starbase. So it's not really shore leave. It's yeah. Starbase leave. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the crew is reduced to a skeleton crew. Uh, reduced to skeletons. <laughs> the Enterprise is literally crewed by skeleton people. Basically, the the binars and the uh, the service team from the, uh, the Starbase are here to make computer enhancements during this downtime. And fix the holodeck, which we've had problems with. Oh, right. As was never mentioned previously. Although I guess, you know, they had that problem in that episode when Picard and them got trapped on the holodeck and the safety features. Oh, okay. maybe they're going to fix that Yeah, bug. I think they're fixing that because of the probe from the, sh- was it the Sheliac? No, no, no. No, the Sheliac is something That's different. much later. Yeah. Those guys who. Yeah, the, uh, they're in sec- Force them to spend a whole episode on the, on the holodeck. Yeah, I can't remember their name. Right. Holodeck trope number one. Mm-hmm. Everything's um, gone haywire. 
Yeah. The Binars have come on board to fix up the computers. Everyone else has left the ship. Tasha Yar and Worf and some of their cronies are off to play Parisi oh, Squares. It's the first time we see Parisi Square outfits. Yeah, they're pretty great. They're like blue leotards with like this weird kind of quilted padding. Yeah, they've got a big, big shoulder, shoulder pad on one side yeah. and, a, and an elbow pad. Parisi Square is one of my favorite things because about track because we never actually learn what it is. Yeah. Always contemplating what it could be. Apparently, you, you could switch people out, but you'd lose the flow of the game. Whatever the hell that means. So yeah. we, we know it's a four-person game. Yeah. Or, sorry, no, it's a four-on-four four game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're, uh, I, I'm always curious what it could be. Worf does assure us that they will be victorious, no matter the cost. Because we know someone gets injured playing the game. In another time, they mentioned this, someone like... I, I think it's Riker himself who got injured playing Parisi's... Or something. Yeah. Another time, uh, Chief O'Brien gets injured kayaking. Sure. Yeah, he's on big. On holodeck. He's a big kayaker, but I, he looks pre, like it. Priestly Square is the game, so we never learn what it is. And it just always, I don't know, mm-hmm. piques my curiosity. Yeah, as any future sport would. Like, oh, oh, that that shitty uh, a game on Battlestar Galactica. No, 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 no. Oh. Oh, that that's uh, that's something else. That's garbage can ball, I believe it's called. <laughs> Uh, what is it called? It's not Pyramid because Pyramid is the uh, is the card game on the classic oh. Star Galactica. It's something else. In anyways, doesn't matter. What I'm talking about is the shitty martial art that uh, Riker and his dad. Oh do. yeah, yeah, where they uh, dress up as stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah, like uh, they hit each other with sticks. It's like space kendo, basically. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like like th- there's a name for it, like something jitsu or like Riker jitsu. I don't know, but the ultimate uh, evolution of martial arts is what he calls it, and it's ridiculous. Yes. And like they put down these face shields so they can't see, and then they're holding these yes. the, those like pugil sticks, practiced exclusively by twenty fourth century weirdos from Alaska. <laughs> and like when you point the sticks at each other, they make noise, so that's when you know that your your opponent is there because okay. you're fighting blind. Oh, you're fighting blind, right? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Oh, I for, I can't remember the name. We'll we'll find out. That's next coming up season. pretty soon. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, not really very soon. We're really only halfway through the first season at this stage. We're also only about three minutes into this episode. So let's, oh man, let's, let's accelerate this recap a little bit. Let's truck along. So um yeah, a lot of people have left the ship, and we get sort of a montage of Riker. Picard sort of says, "Oh, I'm going to go hang out in my my lounge and, <laughs> and curl up with a good book and his relaxation light. His relaxation light. I don't know what that." means i think it's that weird orb that he got from the ferengi (laughs) the ferengi's he's still got it he's had it repurposed yeah it puts him into a weird trance like like an alpha wave something or other who knows Anyways, Riker, you know, he's just wandering around looking for something to do. Eventually finds his way to the holodeck where the Binars invite him to try the enhancement. And he goes in, sets up, you know, he wants to play some jazz because Jonathan Frakes plays the trombone. And I think he had it in his contract or something that he had to be given X number of opportunities to play the trombone in episodes. He sounded pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He can play. Yeah, he can play. And he plays in this episode. That is him playing in the episode. It's all right. Um, so he creates like this bar from like New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. And then he like he gets he gets a woman. But the first one's blonde and he's like <laughs> jazz and blondes, they don't go together. So next we get kind of like a, a, a redhead and he's like, Nice, pretty good, pretty good, but more sultry. And then we get this kind of like auburn haired uh, yeah. then the computer produces minuet. minuet. And uh, to me personally, she kinda looks like a young tarted up Captain Janeway. 
And as soon as you said that, you ruined the episode for me. Because <laughs> that's all I could think about for the rest of the time watching it. And how creepy that is. Yeah. And I'm not wrong, am I? I mean, like... She, she did look quite a bit like Kate Mulgrew, yes. Yeah, it, it's totally there. And it's weird. And her acting is kind of odd. Like, I think she's supposed to have some kind of French accent. But it it's very slight. And, yeah, it's a little weird. But uh, she is created... She's a creation of the Binars intended to... Ensnare Riker and keep keep him in the holodeck exactly whilst the binars um create a false emergency to evacuate the ship yeah they get everyone else off the ship and then steal it to their planet binus yes that's what's happening picard goes to uh visit yeah he just goes to try to find Riker. yeah and so with him on the holodeck you know the binars make their move and data evacuates the enterprise because the intermander containment's gonna go let's just Let's just take a moment here to discuss how weird that scene was where Picard enters the holodeck while Riker is <laughs> like in the middle of... Yeah, he, he's in the middle of inspecting Minuet's tonsils with his tongue. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, you got to wonder, like, what the hell kind of hanky-panky goes on on the holodeck? Does someone have to clean the holodeck? Like, what happens to emissions on the holodeck, like... I mean, they let Reg Barkley on the, on the holodeck, Oh, God. Right? Like, can you well, even imagine? Well, remember, at, in that episode where the holodeck went went berserk, Wesley said that, you know, if they shut down the holodeck, it, everything inside could disappear, including the people. Oh, maybe. So perhaps the holodeck is self-cleaning in that respect. Maybe, maybe maybe that's because no one in Starfleet was willing to take the job of the holodeck jizz mopper, and I don't blame them. So when they programmed it, they were like, make a mess in here at your own peril. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Maybe that's the, maybe that's how they keep things like PG in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because I mean, I mean, everyone has to wonder at some point when they're watching Trek exactly what do people get down to in the holodeck? Because also, Picard just wanders in. Now, was he able to do that because he's the captain? Like, would anyone else have had to have signaled that they were coming in? I don't know. That's I mean, how awkward. They aren't. They aren't personal quarters, right? I mean, the holodeck's just the holodeck. So. But Riker's busy making out with a yeah, like yeah. a fictional. What, what if Riker? Holodeck? had been further along like yeah you know what what if picard walked in and you know riker's got her pinned to the, the bar top or something and picard re- re- takes it all in stride He's yeah like, yeah oh, hey guys <laughs> pretty smooth i guess yeah um, yeah <laughs> it was uh a lesser captain would have uh and like before before picard gets there riker was already getting his perv on pretty pretty big with all like these really kind of lingering stares and he just had sex eyes the whole time he was looking at her she was programmed just for that apparently he, um, he looked like a starving man looking at a steak. It was gross. It was really nasty. It's pretty standard, standard Riker, though. Standard Riker. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, anyway, so Picard comes into, and then also is, uh, the two of them are, are sort of smitten with this Minuet. computer creation. Yeah, because Minuet. Minuet can speak French. Um, you speak French. How well did Minuet speak French? Better than Picard. <laughs> uh, I'm not a perfect French speaker, but um, Patrick Stewart, he's giving his best effort, but his accent and cadence are bad. Oh, okay. Um, hers is not. Did, were they at great. least saying? Oh yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, write a sentence in French and then recite it to the class. <laughs> Ooh, et la bibliothèque. I, you know, I, I wasn't. Killer They were. That's pretty much what they were doing. <laughs> um, no, someone wrote their dialogue right, so they did an okay job. <laughs> but then they, Patrick Stewart, kind of said it was an English accent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Patrick Stewart's French accent is non-existent. Maman, maman, in every 
That's yeah. the best one. <laughs> so they're they're in the holodeck now, and they're super duper smitten with Minuet. They think she's just the yep. greatest thing Beat since knees. replicated bread. And then Data evacuates the ship because shit's getting cray. Mm-hmm. And they're like, where's the captain? Is the captain still aboard? And, oh, and that reminds me yes. how when Wesley first reported the problem to them, Geordi mm-hmm. was like, Wesley, don't inform the captain until we've checked it out in engineering. Because like, they don't think it's a serious problem at that point. Well, they don't know what the problem is, but still, what kind of order is that? Don't tell the captain what's happening on his ship. Well, they figured it was routine. I think it's only when they get to engineering. Yeah. The binaries are sort of set up a situation where the computer isn't actually telling them what's really going on. Yeah, the computer is telling them that the uh, magnetic field for the... uh containment of the antimatter is decaying and they are unable to fix the problem so they abandon the ship they get everybody aboard the starbase they inefficiently beam people out we see wesley and a bunch of kids beam out and there are at least two transporter pads not in use and a huge line of people waiting to beam off the ship before it explodes i was really impressed given that they told us there was only about four minutes before the ship blew up how what an orderly exit off the ship people were taking oh yeah they weren't even running no and yeah and on like the all the scenes in between that and when the ship finally left way longer than four minutes yeah like they did not figure out the timing very well for this uh for this scenario so Jordy and and data are the two last they think people on the ship and then they decide they can't find they can't confirm the location of Riker and picard yeah they assume that they've left so they beam off the ship. We've oh. only got 41 seconds. Quick. To, to the, the turbo uh, lift. To the turbo so lift. So we can beam out. Yeah, let's not transport directly off the bridge because no. we've got 41 whole seconds. Let's take the turbo lift, presumably to the transporter room, and then beam over to the... <laughs> Let us ride the turbo lift until we run out of time and beam out from the turbo lift at the last second. Yeah, like, what? No. So also, then they beam out with 41 seconds left, and then the ship very slowly flies out of Starbase. Yeah, turns around. but not before they say, what, the captain's not here we've got to go back and the guys and then fake picard with the goatee he says like, there's no time it's like well no shit there's no time yeah. we only had 41 seconds when we left also we can't possibly get back to the ship that we just beamed out of yeah it's it's moving now so i guess it's impossible <laughs> to beam to well whatever they're the binars clearly out you know out fox these guys <laughs> yeah holy shit so then the ship warps out it makes it slightly out of starbase does a 180 and then blasts off at warp speed and then we go back to the holodeck where picard and Riker are having an absolutely charming time with minuet yeah she's got she them. is delightful they've cracked a bottle of, of wine <laughs> yes um, uh it's uh the conversation is scintillating yeah to be quite frank the writers should be very proud because you know if i were Riker or picard i totally would have been like oh yeah she's great really great you think they would have got i don't know i guess they're enjoying the atmosphere of the empty bar like are the musicians even still playing there i don't know i can't remember yeah i think they're just sitting there watching and just being like this is weird poor bastards yeah, yeah. If we were computer generated musicians we'd be out of here yeah but eventually picard decides that he's gonna leave and minuet's all like no 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 and this Why arouses suspicion so so uh, they open the door and oh look, red alert. <laughs> yes. What's going on? They find out they're on their way to Binus. They find out that they're also the only uh, two Starfleet officers left on the ship. So they decide that obviously the only thing to do is set the self-destruct. 
mm-hmm. we cannot allow the Enterprise to fall into hostile hands. And as we mentioned on an earlier episode, the self-destruct mechanism at this point offers no flexibility about how you configure it. Yeah, five minutes only. That's what you get. That's what you get. <laughs> hope I you hope can get that's to the enough. bridge in time and back. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Picard informs us that five minutes is sufficient for them to get to the bridge. Assuming that, like, they can get to the bridge, which they find out when they get to the doors that they can't. Bridge access is denied. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we'll beam onto the bridge. And like, but no, you know, it takes se- it takes several seconds to form. To realize. You know, yeah. you'll be a sitting duck. Okay, well, you'll beam in at one end, I'll beam in at the other, and we'll just kind of have to take our chances. It doesn't occur to them to beam in to the observation lounge or to beam in to the captain's ready room. ready room or anything. I like the idea of one of them beaming into the ready room and one yeah. of them into the observation lounge. Yeah, or, you know, into the hallway outside the observation lounge even. Yeah, whatever. You know, whatever, something. No, no. They beam onto the bridge, and there are the binars splayed out almost cartoonishly. They're all like having a nap. Yeah. Or maybe they're dead. We're not sure. Yeah. And this is roundabout when we discover they, they arrive at Binus, and the whole planet is shut down. So all the binars on the planet are just like the binars up here. They're basically dying. And the binars have stored a massive amount of information on the Enterprise computer. What could it be for? We better ask Minuet. First, we contact the Starbase to let them know mm. what's going down. Data informs them that a file name can be anything because apparently they needed data to tell them that Mm -hmm. the conversation between data and picard is mostly useless by which i mean it's entirely useless there's no information is given to picard that he shouldn't have already known but whatever brent spiner had his uh quota for how many lines he needs per episode so boom so they do end up going back to the holodeck and they're like yo minuet minuet what's up and minuet who previously had told us that she wasn't programmed with this information now suddenly is she spills the beans that a nearby star had gone supernova to the, the binar homeworld and the resulting magnetic pulse or electromagnetic pulse was jeopardizing the the computer it was going to wipe them out so they needed to dump their core yeah. into a mobile computer that would that would be able to escape that EMP and then come back and restart their system so what we're we're hearing here is that a planet full of beings that are so tightly integrated with computers that they require them in order to survive their society has no backup they never bother to they they have not developed the rudimentary technology of a faraday cage that's you well who knows yeah i don't know but i don't know like i think that a planet of i find their it policy deplorable yes yes so they needed a basically they needed the enterprise to act as a mobile flash drive yeah to back up all their stuff before the uh electromagnetic pulse wiped everything out so then they could restore their backups from the enterprise to the planet exactly um that more or less is literally what the plot is and that's what they do yeah and the binars are like hooray we're alive and we will submit submit ourselves for whatever punishment you require picard's basically like oh you scamps it's okay and then they go back to the star base and everybody gets aboard and Riker goes back down to the holodeck but minuet she's gone she gone she gone and the lady who replaces her wearing a terrible wig Riker not not into it Mm -mm, not at all Picard then says, it's almost as if Minuet was literally programmed by the Binars. Which, of course, she was. Which is exactly what she was. So, yeah. And that's where the episode ends, basically. Picard's saying some relationships just weren't meant to work, number one. And he's like, she's going to be hard to forget. And, I mean, it's understandable. He knew her for almost a full hour. Yeah. Obviously, she was going to be the love of his life. That's the kind of guy he is, so it's 
just back to the yeah. heart playing uh, until s- until somebody starts macking on Troy at which point he has to get all like well, get out of my yard well yeah Troy wasn't in this episode don't know where she was yeah no unexplained absence i guess they d- realized after that first time she was gone and they they took the time to explain that she was on vacation that that just wasn't necessary you you can't do that every time it's yeah. ridiculous oh, troy's on vacation again yeah troy's visiting a chocolate factory she might be troy's on risa i well one thing i really wanted to mention was um the computer the voice of the computer in this episode oh yeah it changes. changes a few times yeah when when they're in engineering it's uh the computer has a man voice mm-hmm. and when they're just in the hallways it's the standard Majel barrett yeah but when they're on the bridge talking about the uh auto destruct it's the dude voice again maybe the auto destruct it's Self is just a dude voice it actually would kind of make sense to have a separate like obvious yeah. voice to be different for such a critical thing yeah although um, that doesn't happen later because in yeah, later <laughs> episodes it's just always major bear this is the only time they ever do that it's exactly i oh the other thing i wanted to mention is when picard and Riker they walk out of the holodeck and realize that the red alert is happening they ask the computer for the status because once they realize no one else is on board they need to know what's going on mm-hmm. the computer they ask the computer oh, yeah, whether anyone else is on board or not the computer responds seems by saying no and then they ask it another question oh and they ask another question is you know is the computer is the enterprise in motion or something like that and the computer says yes let me just say for the record computers in the future should never answer with yes or no it should always be affirmative or negative because it just sounds weird otherwise all right this is my personal hang-up and it bugged me a lot it's totally fine didn't like it totally fine never use yes and no when you could say affirmative (laughs) and negative this goes for all of you in your everyday lives as well all right got that yeah all right affirmative thank you you're welcome all right (laughs) <laughs> what would you rank this episode? Some rank pips out of the way. I like the binars because they're just cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the planet. I hate their IT policy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm really surprised that their main computer isn't just enclosed in a Faraday cage. That seems... Maybe that isn't enough for this situation. I don't know. Maybe. I, don't... I have no idea. I think I'd give this episode a uh, junior lieutenant. Yeah, I was thinking lieutenant, so... All right. But uh, I it's don't It's really think... not that good. I don't think I like it that much. So, yeah, junior lieutenant. Also, the Janeway thing is really... Lieutenant Junior Grade. The Janeway thing is really messing with my mind. Yeah, I'm sorry I brought that to your attention. I Ugh. just It's just something that's always struck me about that episode ever since uh, Voyager came out. You know, it's just like, she looks like Minuet. She does look a bit like Minuet. Huh, that's weird. Is it the same? Uh, at one point I thought it was the same actress, too, and I checked it. It's not. It's not, yeah. In fact, the lady who plays Minuet, I don't think she has many other roles or yeah. any other roles, I can't recall. Yeah. Well, since we're here at your place instead of mine, oh, I thought... Yeah. I might mention to our listeners that I was taking a browse through Foley's uh, bookshelf. Oh no! <laughs> and what I found there—don't mock sh- me—shockingly <laughs> awesome. I am holding in my hand right now six novels: Star Wreck, The Generation Gap; Star Wreck Two, The Attack of the Jargonites; Star Wreck Three, Time Warped; Star Wreck Four, Live Long and Profit; Star Wreck Five, The Undiscovered Nursing Home; and Star Wreck Six, Geek. Space Nine, all by Leah Rewolinski. Uh, Rewolinski. Rewolinski. Don't know. I'm assuming that to be a pen name I, because I can't imagine anyone putting their actual name on these novels. Ouch. But I don't know. Yeah. These novels came out when Foley and I were kids. Yeah, they are the probably the lowest form of parody. What you know. what passes for comedy in these books are basically changing the characters' names to kind of funny puns, like Captain James T. Smirk and Lieutenant Wart. 
Captain Jean-Lucie Ricardo. The ships are the USS Endocrine. Yeah. And they both have coffee cups on the saucers. On the Because get it? Saucer. Listen, if you're going to pick these apart, that's like beating up a little kid. There's a lot of... Come uh, on, Ge- Geek Space Nine with Commander Bungieman Crisco and right. Security Chief Dodo. Bungieman Crisco is particularly bad. And don't forget Major Vera Obese, Lieutenant Jazzy Fax, and Dr. Julio Brazier. Look, I read these books at a time when there was no other Star Trek to watch, and <laughs> I required supplemental entertainment, all right? I remember these from, from our childhood. I think it's awesome that you still have them. Um, Why would I throw them out? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't have my copies anymore. Like They've long since found their way to used bookstores or garage sales or whatever. If I'd gotten rid of them, then you wouldn't be enjoying them at this very I moment. know. That's exactly it. It's pretty funny. I, I love finding yeah. old books and shit like this, like when I found that uh, Ninja Gaiden book from uh, oh. FX Power or something like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, the series of books based on Nintendo games. Those are amazing. Yeah, the uh, Ninja Gaiden one is particularly good. So the Star Trek series, wow. I, <laughs> I'd probably give it maybe 12 thumbs up. <laughs> if, if you like really, really, really it cheesy... It's um, the basest form of comedy, I swear. They're hardly even puns. They're just... They also lampoon all the characters yeah. in their most like, broadest strokes. There's, yeah. some, there's some good material there. It'll take you maybe like 20 minutes to read each book. They're really... They appear to be really short novels. Let's take a look here. Yeah. Star Wreck The Generation Gap is a full 107... Well, not a full 117 nope. pages. No, there's the many last, pictures. There's there, drawings yeah, in this book. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that. Let me check this. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. It's a little bit like the art style is a little bit like like cracked. Yeah. Although this also looking at this, I almost feel like this book like this is gonna turn into like one of those like pornographic comics like those oh, really God, no. poorly drawn like Tijuana Bibles or whatever. It's not that bad. Uh, no, no, no. This is this is for this is for all age. This is all ages appropriate. I don't know what's happening with Wesley and uh, and, oh, okay. and uh, this woman here. That doesn't. Well, he's obviously he's he's uh he's parodies that are really like. And I'm not really sure what's happening with. With Troy, or... oh, Troy gets it on with Kirk. Or, or yeah, Smirk, so of she seems to be uh, she seems to be about to get down with Smirk here. Okay, and... they're probably PG thirteen. I don't know what's happening here either. Oh God, Mister Snot, not Mister. Gone? Yeah, Mr. Snot. Okay. What did you expect? <laughs> wow. Oh, and oh man, this picture here with uh Jordy has a, a cane because he's blind. And, yeah, I guess. And he's also wearing like sneakers without laces and the tongue's pulled out because he's a black kid. No, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know. Wow. Is the art it definitely, you know, go buy these books for the art alone. Yeah. Wow. Some, that's a I'm, anyway I yeah <laughs> I'm deeply unsettled by those by those now if you if you need more Star Trek in your life and you hate yourself <laughs> you, check these out you could do no no you couldn't do worse than no finding the Star Trek why are we series? trashing these books about it? actually I like them as a t- as a child have you read them no since? I haven't read them in twenty years they're probably bad oh well, you know I mean got one right here no not just stop just stop take off eh oh good the the title of chapter Chapter one is, you know, a slam against us Canadians. I'm, I'm editing all of this out. <laughs> Captain's top secret diary, stardate 23, 23, 23, 23, 23, 23, 23, dot, dot, dot. Um, 
Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's good reading, man. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, if I were you, I would probably like after I leave, you should finish. Like you should read these. What you think I'm not going to? I think you are now. I believe I'm going to. So what did you think about? Um, do you think the binaries should get off without any kind of reprimand from Starfleet for their actions? No, but I think that uh, what they do get punishment-wise will be relatively minor. Yeah. Because they didn't really cause much in the way of damage or uh, problems, right? Like, right. All they really did was basically push off the uh, the refit of the uh, Enterprise computer system, which they had seemed totally willing to do at the beginning of the episode anyways. When they arrived 48 hours late, they were like, well, you know, if you don't have time to get the refit done, we can reschedule. But what if, uh, what if something bad had happened? Like, what if there had been a disaster? Or the next thing, I mean, they mentioned at the start of the episode that they need to be somewhere in 48 plus 6 hours. What, I... if, what if that meeting now has been delayed and lives will be lost as a result i don't know who can say then i guess the punishment would be more severe but that didn't appear to be the case yeah they appeared to have only inconvenienced them for a couple of hours i think we were we were talking the other day about the fact that in um in later episodes all the actors start wearing uh, hilariously start wearing muscle suits Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we found this out listening to Will Wheaton's story about the first time he met William Shatner. Yeah, which is awesome. And he revealed that underneath their suits, they had to wear these padded muscle suits. So Even that, Michael Dorn. Even Michael Dorn. So that, like, when their uh, Lycra suits were zipped up, they looked good in them. Like, they cut the proper form in them. And I get that, because Lycra is just really unflattering, unless you've got, like, a ridiculous physique. I'm kind of wondering if the, maybe they started wearing them in this one Picard and Riker really looked really pecky mm. and uh, I was starting to think about it because we were talking about Beverly Crusher's hairstyle yeah because it changes almost yeah. every single episode and also it looked like Data is wearing his hairpiece now mm. um, it's it's entirely possible like through most of season one up until this point they don't appear to have been wearing them or, or at least Data hasn't been because yeah. we've been seeing a lot of Data nipple <laughs> a lot of nipple but I know in season two for sure they've got to be wearing them because uh, I just watched the first two episodes of season two on monday mm -hmm. uh so just a couple days ago and there was no data nipple to be seen yeah so, so memory is fresh in your mind yeah yeah and plus i was i was on the lookout for it because i was wondering specifically when they started wearing it because wheaton or w w as we'll call him mentioned that he had to wear it under his gray acting ensign uniform and that debuts in season two right yeah so i'm thinking that the muscle suit may have been brought in in the latter half of season one I kind of think it might have been. And then carried on through season two and beyond. I don't know whether the muscle suit carries on. Well, well, no, because Wheaton talks about, when he's talking about it, they were in season three. Oh, yeah, I think they probably, like, you're... So they were wearing the muscle suit under the new uniforms, too. I think they did. Once, once you start, you Once you stop. start, you can't stop. Yeah. Although, I wonder about Riker. Because <laughs> Riker's physique, he, he becomes less uh, lean and more like a barrel. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. like, he doesn't look unfair fit he just looks you know stocky like the, the, man, the man likes pie what can i say you know well i mean he he doesn't look slobby or anything like he does he doesn't have like man boobs happening he doesn't no. have like a, a gut happening he just appears kind of barrel shaped it's a bit weird yeah. yeah he's just he's just you know burly yeah there you go that's a that's a good word for him burly sure yeah i guess <laughs> 
Uh, there's nothing we like more here on the Diecast Enterprise than talking about Freak's physique. <laughs> we talk about it a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. come on, like that downy fur on his chest. You just want to, you just want to nuzzle in there. It's like, oh, man. looks like it's perfect for nesting small animals or something. I almost expected like like a sparrow or something to fly out of there in that ep- in that last episode oh. on Angel Angel One. It's like shagpaw carpet. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he he walk he should walk out and like a bird would just go. <laughs> incredible yeah i know i know don't let the men your velcro <laughs> uh season two of course will be the debut of his beard the beard and watching the first two episodes like his young beard is definitely different from his more mature beard like season three and beyond his beard has really established itself it's much thicker and fuller but in yeah. season two the beard is very much a first beard it's it's really weird in season just like the idea of him not having the beard in season one at all mm-hmm. it's just such a part of who he is yeah after yeah this. like you can't you can't see Riker without a beard once he's yeah. had the beard like it becomes weird yeah the way that the beard was weird in season two and we're all just like what's going on but then it's there to stay after yeah that. after that you know we can't go back no <laughs> no when, when, once you've had beard you can't return to baby face Riker until uh, Star Trek Insurrection. Oh. Which you still haven't seen. Someday. It's going to happen. Someday. It's going to happen. We're going to watch all of the next-gen movies. Uh, and then we're going we're gonna to do a special episode where we talk about the next-gen movies. It's just going to be me crying for yeah. half an hour. Yeah, and me cackling with delight. Um, because I feed off your pains. I know. Is there anything else you wanted to cover here? Hmm. Um, nothing's really springing to mind. I mean... Mm. Not well. I mean, my, I'm just fixated on Riker's chest hair. I can't stop thinking about it. We could go back and rewatch that if you want. No, yeah. no, that would. Uh, I wouldn't be able to tear myself away. It's fair. We'd we'd never get any more work done. The further we get away from Riker's chest hair, the more productive I will be. I I mentioned earlier, um, before we started recording, that uh, somewhere or other there must be a working replica set of the bridge. I mean, mm. there was in. I'm pretty sure there was in Las Vegas for a long time. Yeah, yeah, for the um, yeah for the Star Trek experience, they yeah. had the they had a bridge so that set is sitting in like storage somewhere and Mm -hmm. i know like you were mentioning someone actually has the real set yeah they uh they got the real the real set and they i think they had a kickstarter to refurbish it awesome so there must be but my point is i guess somewhere out there there's a working replica of the bridge hopefully to write the right scale with the wooden beam and all Mm -hmm. the flooring and the right orientation everything um we talked about in a previous episode where Worf makes this crazy jump over the wooden hide and cue yeah hide and cue Worf jumps over the the bridge yeah the banner Bannister. Bannister thing. Just the horseshoe. This, yeah. I very much want to execute my own wharf jump. Yeah, you you re- yeah. you, you love jumping it. over things. I do, and I really want to do it on that bridge. It for as amazing. long as I've known Foley, he's been jumping over things. That's weird. It's an, it's an odd uh, kind of compulsion for you. I, re- I remember becoming acutely aware of it after we left the theater from watching uh, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, oh, in yeah. Vancouver. And uh, you, you were like jumping over various things like benches and you know I was like, probably just so excited yeah you you just liked jumping I just seemed I don't know I was just thinking about Worf yeah that's fair yeah. The, the man does some good jumping uh, if you watch the uh, the trailer for season 3 on Blu-ray on the uh, season mm. 2 Blu-ray uh, disc 1 you'll see Worf execute another one of those jumps no way really yeah yeah oh, but awesome. from the opposite side this time from from the side that uh, whoa he jumps from the Yar. other side of the bridge yeah yeah from oh. Yar from the, from the Yar side oh man I know it's uh it's, it's quite good like he just like right towards the camera and like 
Sweet. Again, leading with the wrong leg, so the the trailing leg almost clips the uh, the horseshoe. Can't wait. I know it's a uh, it's something special. Michael Dorn. He's a yeah. He's an active actor. He yeah. Gets right into it. All right. I yeah. think I I think that about does it for this episode. Yeah. Thank you for joining us aboard the Diecast Enterprise. Please join us next time for is it uh, the episode with the old man Jameson? Oh yes. Um, the amazing de aging admiral. Yeah. Holy moly that's a the makeup effects in this are going to blow your minds yeah all right we'll see you next time aboard the diecast enterprises pags i'm fully see you next time Mm